0: tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Happy 2023. Welcome to another solo episode of the podcast. Today's episode is a little different, but um if you've listened to this podcast, you obviously should know by now that um, I have been sober from drugs and alcohol for quite a long time. Now I talk about it a lot because it's very interconnected with what I teach around breakups. And I had been posting on Instagram about it a little bit more, and some people were asking like, what led you to stop drinking? And so I – Asked, do you guys want to hear kind of the whole story? And there was an overwhelming yes. Uh, and this is perfect timing because if all goes well on <laughs> January seventh. In four days from this release, I will be celebrating a decade of sobriety, which is crazy. So my sobriety day is January seventh, two thousand thirteen. And so I'm gonna lead kind of through what um what led me to get sober, and. As I go through the story, I want to say that a lot of the – as I'm telling this story, a lot of the things that I'm going to say I realized in retrospect, uh, there was a lot going on at the time that I didn't know was a thing. So um, I'm telling this obviously with quite a lot of hindsight. I also want to say that I'm telling this story as my own experience. I think if you – want to drink and you can do it safely, I'm all for it. I, I'm i not of the opinion that everyone should not drink alcohol. Um, I think if you have an issue, obviously it's a good idea to seek support, but you can listen to this if you're just curious about sobriety, um, if you maybe have an issue, maybe you have a friend that has an issue, whatever. There's like so many variations of this. But um I always wished that I could have heard my story a little earlier because I think it would have saved me some time. Uh, I am very lucky that I got sober really young. I mean, I was two months away from turning 22, so I was still 21, which if you're in the United States, you know that's typically – I mean, that's not when anyone starts drinking. Everyone starts earlier than that, but that's technically the age you're supposed to start drinking. So. Um, so yeah, let's get into my story. I'm really an open book around this, which is very cool because I used to carry so much shame around my behavior when I was drinking. So the fact that I can now really, um, talk about it very openly is such a gift. And, you know, the fact that I can laugh at certain things now um, is such a gift. So let's uh, get into my story. So I want to give a little bit of a trigger warning. Part of my story does include a sexual assault. So if that is – it's – you know I won't get into detail of it but um that is part of my story so I want to get that out of the way too but yeah so I um it's interesting I always I think growing up I always heard like stories of people who struggled with alcohol they came from alcoholic parents or like really chaotic abusive homes which was was not not my story at all um I mean you guys literally heard my parents last month on the podcast uh they're they're not big drinkers at all I mean my dad does not drink I, my mom drinks like a you know one to two glasses of wine on special occasions so you know I did not grow up around alcohol at all you know I grew up uh in I don't know it felt like a very regular childhood um I would say I was pretty anxious, I talked about my anxious attachment style on here, so I, I did have quite a bit of anxiety but um I went to a really sheltered private school through junior high um, and then went to i went from a to give you like a visual I went to a school kindergarten through eighth grade that had one hundred and twenty five kids in the entire school, and then I went to a giant public high school um, that had like 4,500 kids. So it was like I went through a big culture shock. And I didn't really have friends that like experimented with stuff um, until high school. And it's not like I ever thought like I'm never going to drink or anything like that. I was always – I don't know. I always thought I would have like the typical experience of a teenager. But I had my first drink when I was 15. And – Again, I did not know how big of an experience this was for me until I looked back and I started hearing other people who had alcoholic tendencies of like how big of a deal their first drink was, but the first time I had alcohol, it felt like it felt like all of my problems were solved. All of that anxiety that I had, I always ca- like felt um very inhibited. I I didn't feel like I could fully be myself. I was always so insecure or wanted people to like me and alcohol just like allowed me to let go of that so it was a very like monumental experience i think for me and after i did it for the first time which mind you like it was not <laughs> i didn't have like a great experience i did a lot of it as it's funny as it relates to breakups the first time i ever drank was um the weekend after the first time i ever got broken up with and I think part of the reason I got broken up with was the the guy was a couple years older than me and he, I think he thought I was very sheltered. He would go out drinking with his friends on the weekends and wouldn't want to hang out with me because I didn't do that stuff. And I specifically remember when he broke up with me, he said, don't go drink over this. And um, I don't think I was drinking over the breakup, but whatever. So I ended up drunk dialing that ex. Uh, I drunk dialed a lot of people on my tiny little Nokia phone that – hopefully a lot of you know what i'm talking about so it's not like i had it wasn't a great experience i i woke up very embarrassed the next day but all i could think about was like i can't i can't wait to do this again i can't wait to do this again but again i'm i'm 15 obviously there's not like it's not alcohol's not super easily accessible but i did try to do it as often as possible my friends and i all started doing it and in the beginning it was very fun i feel like it opened up new friendships for me. I started getting invited getting invited places that I I wasn't normally getting invited to. Yeah, it was, it felt, it felt good. It felt like it was like, okay, this is my my new identity. I I was always searching for an identity. I've talked about being a chameleon on this podcast. And so it felt like that was it. That was my thing. And if you've if you're someone in recovery, you've heard this saying, but like alcohol is fun and then it's fun with problems and then it's just problems and that's definitely the trajectory that I took. I feel like I, I kind of sped through it though because I started drinking at 15 and stopped at 21. So it was pretty short-lived. But I think the first thing that I started noticing was I remember the first time that I completely blacked out from drinking, which if you've never blacked out, um, I read about it later on in a book, but it's your brain literally feels like it's being poisoned so it like shuts off different functions so your brain just physically does not make memories of whatever happens and i remember the first time it happened i was i woke up the next day was just mortified and found out like my actions were terrible i um was at a party i like knocked over this expensive vase that i ended up having to pay this family to get replaced um just completely made an ass of myself, embarrassed myself. And that and I was trying to explain to my friends, I was like, I don't, I don't have a single memory after a certain point last night. And none of them had experienced that. And this was, I mind you, I was like fifth, I don't even think I was 16 yet. So I was the first one of that, um, of my friends of that to happen. I I started again looking back, I think I can notice that my friends would say, Oh, I've had, I've had too much. Like I should slow down or I should stop and I I never had that. I never could tell when I should stop. It was always like, okay, I just need more, 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 more. And I would, you know, when you're young and you're figuring out your limits, people, you know, I would have friends that would like get alcohol poisoning and that would happen and then – they would not drink as much. Um, Whereas with me, it would be like, okay, Kendra made an ass of herself, was so apologetic and felt terrible, but then like two weeks later, it would happen again. I just – I could not figure out limits. Um, And the – I think the turning point, and again, I did not know this was a turning point until much later, but when I was a junior in high school, um, I went to a Halloween party and um, went to someone's house afterward. And um, long story short, again, I ended up being sexually assaulted and I did not tell anyone about it. I held a lot of guilt and shame around it because I was really drunk when it happened um, and i I did honestly didn't deal with this as an issue until I was in my twenties, so I didn't tell anyone about it and I think that was that was really when my drinking escalated the blackouts started happening a lot um more often than not, and my behavior in those blackouts um just got like worse and worse, and I started ending up in like really dangerous situations, I would fall and like hit my head. I ended up um in the hospital multiple times, and when it was happening, I mean, my parents caught on pretty quick. My mom approached me for the first time when I was seventeen and said i think I think you're an alcoholic, I think you've have an of have an issue, and I just could not hear that um I could always blame anything else other than alcohol. And it actually reminds me a lot of being in a toxic relationship where if I could see it from the outside, obviously, it's like so clear. Okay, Kendra, you drink. Um, once you start, you can't stop and you don't remember what happens. You you know put yourself in really dangerous um, situations you, um, you know, I'm, and I'm so not proud of this, but I would drink and drive. Um, I became very promiscuous, which again, I'm like, you know, felt a lot of guilt and shame over for a long period of time. Um, now I know it's, you know, just a part of my story that I know, and hopefully I can alleviate shame from, from some other people in sharing that. Um, but I just i could not see it, oh my gosh, I could not see that there was an issue and if I look you know at the time I was still getting really good grades in school um it didn't it just didn't feel like there was anything that wrong. Um, leading into my senior year of high school, I had two really big incidences in um in a matter of A month, I think. Um, I was in New Orleans doing a Habitat for Humanity build with some friends, and um, we were drinking. And next thing I knew, I woke up, um, and not to be graphic, but like my lip was like almost off my face. I had fallen eleven feet off a ledge onto a dock, and you know, really banged up my face, and ended up needing thirty stitches, broke my nose. Concussion. I mean, inches away from probably breaking my neck. That happened, and then two weeks later, I I came to in a hospital bed, and I had driven my car so drunk that I ended up losing consciousness behind the wheel of the car and drifted across four lanes of traffic. Um, Luckily, it was like three in the morning, so there was no one on the road, and. Like, thank God um, I didn't hurt anyone. Um, and, like, I would love to say that that was what got me sober, but it's so wild for me to explain this, but it didn't. That did not get me sober. Um, it got me in a lot of trouble, which I think slowed me down a little bit. Um, but it's it's wild. It's just so wild the the way that I could rationalize. Again, compare it so much to a toxic relationship. I could twist it and turn it and rationalize it and just say like, it was a bad day or uh, I didn't eat enough or I was with the wrong group of friends or I'm stressed about school or I'm stressed about college applications. Like I I could just do any kind of mental gymnastics. So kind of fast forward, a lot of you guys know right out of high school, I got into um, a relationship with a much older man who ended up being a narcissist and very toxic. I've talked about it in some other episodes. And it's crazy because that relationship was so damaging to me in so many ways. But I can, again, like I do really think everything happens for a reason and like blessing in disguise. He was super controlling and he could see that I had a drinking problem. And, um, You know, he controlled what I – how I dressed, who I saw, who I talked to, what I did. And honestly, thank God he controlled my drinking. And I think that's why – I mean, I look back on – that was when I was in college. I got accepted into my dream college at USC and had always pictured doing the sorority thing and all that stuff. And I can – I'm so sad that that relationship really took me out of college because – He didn't trust me to live in the dorms. And, but I I honestly think that that relationship probably saved my life because if I had been drinking and in a sorority, I think, I don't know, I think I probably easily could have killed myself drinking. So I was in that relationship. And, you know, he became my new alcohol for sure. Like all the things, that's why it's so easy for me to compare getting sober to going through a breakup. And, alcohol and drugs to partnership because I I use them very interchangeably. So um, Rick became my my new alcohol and I put up with terrible behavior. Oh my God, terrible behavior. Name calling, constant put downs, um, gaslighting, uh, him taking me away from all of my friends, financial abuse, like you name it. That, you know, he did that and I was in that relationship from um, 18 to right before I turned 21 and right after we broke up, it was like back on, all right, I'm going, you know, I can go out again, I can – go out to bars and meet new friends and and live my life and I just pick and I remember thinking like I am older, I'm wiser. <laughs> I can probably handle this differently and I was so wrong. I picked up right where I left off. Um like, you know, like nothing had ever happened and uh started, you know, same thing. Same thing different day. <laughs> uh injuries, split my chin open, more promiscuity, more embarrassment. Um still losing friends like people would say I I can't I don't want to hang out with you I don't want to drink around you you are the person that I have to either carry out of the bar or um you know take care of in the bathroom like it's um like I was I was no fun to be around honestly um for anyone who cared about me you know Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement.
1: Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So fast forward to the last few days
0: that I ever drank. I Part of this Obviously, I lost a lot of friends and the friends that I did have, I was never honest with. They would say, oh, Kendra, do you remember what happened last night? And I was like, yeah, just because I I was so ashamed that I I didn't even want to know what was happening. I had this habit where I would get up in the morning and I would just immediately delete my call log because I didn't want to know who I had called. I would immediately delete texts. I just was hiding from myself. I was just full of, like, so much self-hatred. Oh, my God. I hated myself. Um, but I – Thank God. I was honest with one person, and that was my cousin. Um who's also like a best friend of mine. And she was kind of my partner in crime for a while. Um, I was honest with her. And I I remember I had reconnected with some of my high school friends who – uh, who I had gotten, who I had completely left out of my life when I was in that relationship. And they were going to come stay with me and go. Out, we were going to go out together. And I remember calling my cousin and being like, I cannot black out tonight. Like I have to, I I want to make a good impression. I feel so bad for how I've treated them in the past. And like, I just, I have to make this a good night. And what do you know, come two in the morning, Um, I'm not at home. I like I don't have my phone. Literally, I I ditched my friends at the bar. Don't remember this. Ditched my friends at the bar. Um basically like one of them had to call their boyfriend to get picked up because I just left them and um and I remember being like I I don't have control over this. Like I wanted more than anything in the world. It was the first time I had admitted out loud like I don't want to do this and I went and did it anyway. And the last day that I drank was like not anything crazy. I it was obviously January 6th, 2013, um, which happened to be football playoffs. And I was invited to go drink some beers and watch the game and it was supposed to be like a really casual day. And I woke up on that was a Sunday. I woke up on Monday on my parents' couch at their house, um, where I obviously did not live and come to find out what happened is my bro- my older brother's best friend who, side note, had like a total crush on, he was on a date and found me at a bar, passed out, um, and he called my brother to c- – and he's like, I don't know what to do. And my brother came and thanked god he took me to my parents house because that had happened before and he would either take me to his house or take me to my house um he took me to my parents house and i woke up that morning and i didn't have a phone i like had no idea what happened but i knew my parents would be coming in any minute to like talk to me and i and i started to do my normal thing of like okay how am i going to justify this one what am i going to blame it on and my mind, for the first time, was just blank. Like there was nothing else I could point to. I finally had to admit to myself, like, "Oh my god, it's alcohol. Like, I, I'm, I'm out of control." Um, I felt like such a horrible person because I was doing things that I knew were wrong. Like I was lying to people. Um, I, you know, again, not proud to admit this, but like would had no regard for like someone's relationship status like I just needed self-esteem so bad that I would get it from from men um I was stealing like I would steal stuff it was just I was so unrecognizable as a person and I was like oh my god I'm I'm broken you know I'm broken and my mom walked in and like I said the words I need help for the first time and the series of events that happened next it's like the only way I can explain it is like the universe protecting me and taking care of me because I don't know. There's just like no other way to explain it. It's crazy. But I went onto my parents' computer because I did not have my phone. I had lost it. Um, And I was on Facebook Messenger and a family friend who I hadn't talked to in quite a while messaged me. And just said, hey, how are you? Like when we used to use Facebook Messenger a lot more. Um, And for whatever reason, I was compelled to say, um, I'm really scared. I think I have a drinking problem, um, but I don't know what to do. Which for me to be that honest with anyone, um, let alone someone I wasn't that close with, was crazy. And he said, "Um, you know, I've been struggling with drugs and I've been going to 12-step meetings to AA. Do you want me to come pick you up today and take you to a meeting? And I said yes. And he came and picked me up. And for anyone that's listening who's not familiar with AA, which I I had not like I did not ever think I would end up in AA. Um, I went to this meeting and the only way i can describe it is like and i don't mean this in like a pretentious way but it was just full of people that like i would never typically associate myself with like there were quite a few people in there that um that were homeless and like um, people that were a lot older than me i was definitely the youngest person in the room again i'm 21 And for whatever reason, I'm in that meeting, and they start they start doing this reading out of the the AA book, which is called the Big Book. They start reading basically what alcoholism is, and I always I don't know about you, but I always thought alcoholism was someone was like when someone had to drink the second they woke up, they were shaky, they were drinking out of like the brown paper paper bag, living under the bridge. But they started just describing alcoholism in a way that I was like, oh my god, that's me. Basically saying like. An alcoholic is someone that once they start, they can't stop. Um, someone who feels like they're a good person, but all of a sudden you introduce alcohol and they become completely unrecognizable. All this stuff that I was just explaining to you, they said. It was like they were in my brain or like spying on me and just describing my experience. And that day I raised my hand and I said, my name is Kendra. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a newcomer and I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, and I haven't had a drink since then which is crazy. Um, I had so many reservations. I honestly so I ended up going into an outpatient treatment program, which I'm really lucky that I was able to do that. So I would go at night and um, I thought that I would go through these 90 day this 90 day program, give it a shot. I never thought I was done forever um, but they have like the saying of one day at a time, which again like really grateful for. so, I just took one step, like one step at a time. And I s the more I was in AA and around other people who are also alcoholics, I just felt like I was learning about myself. And there were there were a few things that happened. Obviously it was very scary to to learn these things, but more so than the fear was this humongous sense of relief of like, oh, I'm not a terrible person. I have I have an illness. I have a disease. I have alcoholism. Um, so it's not that it was out of my control because I do think there's a level of accountability but kind of it was like out of my control and I didn't I didn't know what was going on um so I was able to learn that and that was a lo- that was a huge relief the second thing that happened was all of these things that had happened to me all of these um like things that I had done when I was drinking that I was so ashamed of Um, that I had kept a secret and they say like secrets keep you sick. I was so sick with secrets. I felt so separate from other people because of all the secrets that I was keeping. Um, What happened was I would go to meetings and someone would share something that happened to me and I was like, oh my God, they did that too and it's okay. And Slowly but surely, it was like I had this huge brick building built around me every time I was in a meeting and someone would share something like that, a brick would fall. And, and I was a, and then I got to the place where I could share my stuff that I was so ashamed of. And people would, um, would like laugh, um, or not laugh at me, but like, it's just some of the situations were so ridiculous. So people would add humor to it or people would come up to me afterwards and be like, Oh, that happened to me too. It's okay. And, um, and just like that brick building came down around me, and then slowly but surely, I got to start like healing those different layers, um, and and it wasn't, an, and it was just, inc- it was incredible. T- honestly, it was so incredible. Um, I was learning so much about myself. I felt so clear headed. Um, I felt like I belonged with people. I was making new friends. Um, it like it was very hard at the same time. Getting sober is so not easy. Um, but I just threw myself into it. I would go to a meeting every day. I got a sponsor. I was hanging out with other young sober people, which I didn't think existed, but there were so many of them. And, um, and I did it scared. I did it. I did it anyways. I, I, I like went through all my first, like my first holiday without drinking, my first concert without drinking, my first vacation without drinking. Um, and I, you know, would have plans when I went places of like, okay, if I get tempted, I can just go home, I can leave, or I can text a friend or I can call a friend. Um, so I would, yeah, it's like, that's why if you haven't listened to episode 43 of the podcast, I really encourage you to go listen to it because I get really in depth of like how it's so similar of getting sober versus going through a breakup um, because there are so many similarities. And and when now when I'm like talking about the beginnings of getting sober, it's so similar to the beginnings of, of going through a breakup. And I started changing my actions every day, um, you know, instead of – You know, waking up hungover and just laying in bed all day. And um, I would get up and I'd make my bed and I would um, journal and I would, I was just, I would change. And then my feelings started changing and I started becoming a person that I liked. And I started being a good friend and being a good family member and showing up when I say I'm going to show up and paying my bills on time and showing up to school when I'm supposed to. And just all of these things that were like so foreign to me. And those things started to change how I felt, and because I started liking how I felt, I didn't feel the need to drink like I used to because I didn't need to numb stuff because I was actually like feeling my feelings, and I started being able to appreciate having feelings even though they weren't fun feelings. Um, my journal was like my best friend. I Every year on my sobriety birthday, I go, I get out my old journals and I read through the beginning things of the things that were so difficult for me to do. Um, and then I was able I was able to do it and things got easier. And when my first year of sobriety came around, it felt like the biggest accomplishment in the entire world. It is. It's like the thing I'm most proud of in my life that I've been able to stay sober. Um, and I'm so lucky that I just, I got this thing in my head of like, you just can't drink and that's okay. Like, you can do anything else you want in the world like the world is so open to you as long as you don't drink and it's like okay even though that's hard to like put that away and sure i had temptations and sure i had times where um i felt very a part of or not not a part of because um people were drinking and i couldn't but um like the the ability to start learning how to like myself and not doing things that i was so ashamed of was was just worth it um so and now looking back at 10 years later, I mean, I've I've had people say like, you were so young, don't you think, you know, maybe it was just a phase or don't you think you could go back to it or try it out? And for me, the life that I the life that I've built, which like from the outside, I got married, I met my husband in AA, we have a beautiful baby, uh, I have this business that I'm so proud of. And on the outside, things are things are look good. And then, but more importantly, like the inside stuff is so important. And the the toolkit that I've that I gained from sobriety of learning how to rely on a support system learning how to journal and process my feelings and learning how to sit in discomfort. That was a huge thing. I didn't want to feel discomfort, and so I liked alcohol to get rid of that. So learning how to sit in discomfort, learning how to take things one day at a time, all of the things that I've gained, like all the tools that I've learned are so valuable to me. And at this point, my life feels so good that I would never want to throw a wrench in it at all, even if like maybe it would go okay, which I firmly believe it would not. I'm, I've also um, had, I guess, the the good fortune, which sounds very weird to say, but i've I've had the good fortune of seeing a lot of people go try drinking again and it not work out very well. So for me, I know I've seen a lot of people make mistakes for me and I don't have to do that. But um and like I I really feel like I've been able to do all the things. I went through my 20s without drinking. Like that's, you know, I've I went to Coachella without drinking. I've done an all-nighter in Vegas without drinking. There's so many things that I've done without drinking. I remember being so afraid of you know, my first breakup without alcohol and, you know, that massive breakup going through sober was what hatched Breakup Bestie. And I remember being so afraid of a bachelorette party without alcohol and I did it and it was so fun. And, um, so I've, you know, I've done it all without drinking. So I would, I never, to me, it's not worth it ever it's just n- alcohol can never make anything better for me. Again, this is all for me. And I think it's really cool just over the last couple of years that being sober is become a lot more normalized. Um, there's a lot of people who stop drinking, not because they're alcoholics, but because they just have noticed that if we're looking at like net positive, net negative, people have decided alcohol is a net negative for them. So they've decided to cut it out. And there's like the sober curious movement and there are people who just take breaks from drinking. So I used to feel a lot more weird of going to an event and not having alcohol. Uh, Now it's, it seems like it's not a big deal at all. So here's what I would say. Here's what I wish I knew uh, before getting sober. I wish I knew what an alcoholic really was and that an alcoholic could look like uh, a 21-year-old girl at her dream college on the dean's list for grades um, and look fine. That's what I – I wish I knew that. I wish I had known that alcoholism does not care about how much money you have, how successful you are, what you look like. Um, It doesn't discriminate. I wish I had known that. I wish I had known that alcoholism for me meant – not having an off switch. I used to, I would literally say, I just don't have an off switch. And little did I know that that really is, for a lot of things, the defining factor of alcoholism. I wish I had known that blacking out regularly is not normal. Um, I thought, I mean, I guess I knew it wasn't quite normal because I lied about it, but I really did not know how abnormal that was. Um, and I really wish I knew that there was. That it was okay not to drink and that I could have so much fun and that I could get to know. I just wish I knew all the benefits of sobriety. That's what I really would like to communicate to people. And even if you're not wanting to cut out drinking, I would challenge you to explore maybe when you're turning to alcohol, especially as you're navigating a breakup. Like, are you turning to alcohol as like a habit for certain things. And maybe there's something underneath that could that could be like beautifully uncovered, something that you haven't healed. I'm all about like healing in layers and going through that kind of stuff. Maybe there's something that's to be, you know, to be discovered um, that you're just taking the edge off with alcohol. So I hope listening to this episode... I either hope you've gained something maybe you just wanted to hear that story and that's awesome like I I love being able to to share this story with people and I this is a breakup page but I uh feel grateful I get to use this platform for other things so if there's ever a question that you have about sobriety or curiosity around it. I hope you'll send me a DM and and ask me about it. Uh I know there are so many paths to sobriety, but I'm I can truly say that AA saved my life. If you're someone who has an alcoholic in your life, um Al-Anon is also Al-Anon is basically the 12 steps for someone who uh is closely associated with an alcoholic. But also I would say if you're someone whose ex is an alcoholic and your guys aren't together, I would still go to Al-Anon because I think I think it just teaches you so much about how you can relate to someone who's going through something and how you can maintain your own boundaries and and all of that. So I'm such a big fan of the 12 steps. I would I wish everyone would go through them, whether you're an alcoholic or not. But yeah, that's my story. I appreciate you listening if you have gotten this far and I'm um, excited to hear what you guys think. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group Healing Hearts Club where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise.